Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode five of the Lip Lettuce Podcast. I am so, so excited for today's interview, our first player interview on the Lip Lettuce Podcast with NHL legend, ex-Maple Leaf, ex-Penguin, ex-Canadian, Colby Armstrong, arm dog. We got him on for an interview and he gave us some great stories, so... I'm so, so excited for this interview. Hershon will be joining me after the interview. We'll be talking trade deadline. We'll be talking Canucks, Canadians, and a lot more. So thank you guys for listening again. And uh, without further ado, I'm going to throw it off to my interview with Colby Armstrong. Thank you guys again for listening. I am so honored to introduce the next guest on the Lip Lettuce podcast. He played 476 games in the NHL with Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Toronto, and Montreal. He's from Lloyd Minister, Saskatchewan, a true legend in the NHL, Colby Armstrong. Thank you so, so much for your time. It's an absolute honor to have you on today. Hey, how are you? What's up, Lip Lettuce? Where are you living? I'm living in Abbotsford. Okay, cool. Yeah. Do you go to the minor league games there and stuff? Yeah, I do. I do. I try and make it out to as many minor league games as I can. But yeah, uh, my brother was there years ago when they were with oh, the, really? uh, with the, the Flames. Heat? Yeah, the Heat. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I used to be a big fan of those. That's when I was more of like uh, playing minor hockey. So I used to go to a lot more of those games. I was a big fan of that. that yeah, he was, he was he was there for a short time before taking off to Europe. Your name, Lip Lettuce. Well done. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I have to admit. I'm a lifelong diehard Leafs fan, and I remember how excited I was when they signed you in uh, 2010. I was only 11, and uh, I really loved the way you, your time was cut sh- too short with the team, but I loved the way you played. You always stuck up for everyone on the team. It, it was uh, so I'm, I'm honored to have you on. It's it's crazy that I'm talking to you now. <laughs> you know what? That was uh, that was those were a couple tough years for me, and I had higher hopes of the way it would turn out in Toronto. Obviously, yeah, I was born in Lloydminster uh, and grew up in Saskatoon, is where I'm. I'm really from and grew up there but obviously we get all hockey night in canada and leafs game as a kid so it was like you know going from atlanta to toronto uh i had high hopes of you know my play and the impact i could have had on the team i just couldn't stay healthy so it was a it was a battle physically and it was it was challenging mentally those few years that i was there as well going through that colby and i had some technical difficulties in this part of the interview I'm so sorry about that, guys, but uh, we picked it up right after and we got into the questions. So sorry about the technical difficulties, but here's the rest of the interview. Yeah, sorry about that. I don't know what happened. Yeah, me neither. Um, I, I'll start with my first question and then we could uh, yeah. just carry on from there. Yep, good. Um, so I want to take it back to your rookie year, 05, 06. Okay. You were a first round pick in 2001. Uh, you spent three years in the AHL where you put up solid numbers with Wilkes-Barre. And as a seasoned rookie, you came in and put up 40 points in 47 games with Pittsburgh. What do you think attributed to your success off the bat? And what was your first welcome to the NHL moment? Um, Yeah, it was like I was I was sizzling in the minors for a while, you know. <laughs> I, I didn't get a, 
I didn't get a game yet. And I was, um, you know, three and a half years down there without getting a game. I was kind of getting discouraged and wondering where my future may take me. And will I be in the KHL coming up here or what's going to happen? And of course, being in a big rush, but three and a half years in the minors and having good teams and putting up some good numbers. You know, it was just, a, I thought just a matter of time, but you know, our situation back then, we had a, we had a big pileup of, of good, good prospects and high picks in Wilkes-Barre. We had a, you know, our American league team, we had really good talented teams um, just because I think, you know, the Penguins were going through financial issues. There's bankruptcy issues. There was, um, you know, team possibly mo- moving to another city. We had to deal with those issues. Um, so there was, you know, a, a pileup of young prospects uh, that we all got to play together. And then we kind of all moved up together, um, you know, right in time when, when Crosby was there. So, you know, I think, I think, you know, getting the opportunity when I did, it was in between Christmas and new year's that, that chunk of games uh, where I finally got called up and, I started on the fourth line and then eventually got put on Crosby's line and like the production just went crazy. So I attribute, you know, a lot of it to me being hungry and wanting to play and, you know, the coach putting me in a position to succeed and then obviously playing with, you know, you know, one of the best players to ever lace up a pair of skates didn't hurt either. So, (laughs) you know, it was like, uh, it was, uh, we didn't do a lot of winning, Randy. We didn't do much winning at all, but um, it was, it was a heck of a ride, you know, being alongside Sid and, you know, the Crosby rookie tour was, uh, was something else to kind of witness and, and ride shotgun to. And at the same time, learned a lot from him just in day-to-day preparation, practicing games, uh, and seeing how he dealt with all the pressure and, and being right there with him. So it was, it was, a it was a fun year. I kind of didn't want it to end. That's awesome. I, I, I mean, playing with a player like Sidney Crosby, obviously he's going to elevate your game and you guys became good friends over your course of time in Pittsburgh. I mean, he, uh, helped assist on your goal in the winter classic and so many other moments. Do you have any uh, other Sid stories you could kind of share with us that kind of stick out for you? Yeah. Well, you know what Sid's uh, he's an interesting guy, right? Like I think he's like one of the more thoughtful um, superstars, just, just about people and, you know, his, the staff and um, you know, people in the organization or his teammates, um, you know, and for all the hype around him and all like, you know, the, swag swagger that he could have he's very humble like honest um thoughtful person and i think that lends itself to like you know how you know his greatness too um you know being his roommate was awesome i uh uh got to like you know obviously hang out with him quite a bit and still talk to him all the time and uh but those old old roommate days were were pretty fun and uh i remember i went out for like he was 18, you know, in 18, 19. <clears throat> and I went out for some drinks one night in Toronto and I don't know if we were supposed to. So I was kind of skipping curfew. A few of the guys on the team and I snuck back into the hotel room knowing that he was asleep. You got to let the kids sleep. You know, you got to take care of the kid. So I was, uh, I had some McDonald's on. I went in the bathroom to, uh, to eat my McDonald's kind of in the, with the lights on quietly. Cause we shared a room, you know? And all of a sudden the door creaks open. He's like, Hey man, did you get anything for me? Like he wanted a little cheeseburger <laughs> action. He wanted a cheeseburger action. So I did, I got a little extra of course. And so we're both in there like two, one in the morning or something like eating, uh, eating McDonald's on the road, but yeah, good roommate. Um, we had our good little routines down together with like sleeping habits, you know, what we're watching on TV, when to get up, when we wanted to go to the game um and all kinds of weird superstitions in between that we ended up piling on top of each other and before you know it was a 
total cluster bomb of of uh of rituals and superstitions and and fun stuff just in and around the room so it was fun i was glad i had him there as like a guy i could talk to you know different like pressures or anxieties that you know he was dealing with a lot more probably than than most but wildly talented guy and just preparation every day for practice like i was anxious going to practice playing with him because it was just like the stakes were high to like keep up with him and play with him and execute so it was uh it was a real nice driving force i think for our team but you know me personally it was massive it was huge i learned so much <clears throat> so you from your time in pittsburgh you uh went to atlanta and i kind of want to go over and ask you skip to toronto because yeah toronto's my team uh i'm a diehard <laughs> Leafs fan like i said earlier so i'm really interested in kind of getting to know how that was for you so what was that like um dealing with obviously brian burke and playing under ron wilson in those days yeah yeah and i've got berkey here in pittsburgh now he's the uh <laughs> president away of hockey him. president of hockey ops uh now in pittsburgh so i can't get rid of the guy he was at Sportsnet <laughs> with me and now he's here too so it's uh kind of funny how things work out but yeah i was playing in atlanta and just to skip forward i became a free agent and couldn't get anything done in atlanta contract wise and went to went to free agency and i i wanted to go like from a you know market that was like non-existent virtually in atlanta to go to like a place where people cared about hockey and where it was like meaningful like every game was meaningful like it was you know there was pressure to perform and win and execute and I was kind of like wanting that feeling back from, you know, when I had it in Pittsburgh, it was just like different, right? Like the stakes were higher, you know, the, the expectations were higher than Atlanta. And I kind of missed that feeling, um, you know, in, in, in playing in that environment. And so I was kind of like looking for something like that. And when the Leafs came calling uh, and made me an offer on, on free agency the first day, I was like, heck yeah, let's go. So the money was good. Uh, I thought the term was good three years and, um, you know, I was more than thrilled with, you know, what I could do with my game and how I could fit in. And um, I had I didn't know Wilson at all or Berkey. I'd never met them up until that point. But I just thought, like, with the style of play that I had, a combination of being able to play with good players or, you know, contribute with some depth scoring or production and also be like a little bit of a rat and pest to play against with a little bit of uh, physicality and, and, you know, the way I played and, uh, could be a good fit. So I, I went into that, like I was so fired up to go into like a hot market with big expectations and, um, you know, try to perform and, 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 you know, be a guy that I think, you know, fans of Maple Leaf fans would appreciate. So, um, you know, inside of that two years, I ended up getting bought out my last year. I suffered two broken feet. I blew my hand out out of surgery. Uh, I got a terrible high ankle sprain. I suffered a concussion. It was my first time I ever had like symptoms from anything and uh, had to miss a couple months. So it was just, you know, a compiling of injuries through that time where I wasn't able to stay healthy and virtually unable to play my game or even like make an impact on the lineup when I could eventually get in. It was just like one thing after another. So it ended up being more of like a mental battle. Like healing's easy, right? You get hurt, it sucks, but you rehab, you get back, you get better, and then you get hurt again. It's like, it does, it does its damage on you mentally where you're separated um it's constantly like a hit getting hit in the head with a hammer type of thing you know where it just drills you down so those two years that i was there eventually into the buyout um were challenging mentally for me having to go through all that it wasn't what i was hoping for obviously coming to leafs nation and toronto maple leafs and the history and everything with the organization uh, i had higher expectations for myself so it was it was it was tough it was a tough few years 
I like I said before, even though you only had a short time there, you still uh, made your imprint on a lot of Leaf fans, including me. So, thanks, Randy. Appreciate it, man. Um, it was an honor want... to wear the Maple Leaf jersey. Truly, it's like it's crazy, right? It's like Hockey Night in Canada. It's like you know, arguably Canada's team. I grew up a Montreal Canadiens fan as a kid, but like you get Leafs rammed down your throat pretty hard, right? Like it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the big machine, right? So. It's always in your face. It's the main deal. It's the big show. It's, you know, Maple Leaf Gardens to, um, you know, whatever they call it now, Scotiabank Arena yeah. uh, is like, you know, the, the, the big spot to go. Even when I was on the road, I used to love going in there just because it was like so much added hype and it was like crazy and it was like potential of like this is national broadcast and this is people love this team. So the history of that with great players that are hanging around the rink too, history of the organization, the logo, put on that jersey. Um, it was it's pretty incredible to be a part of, to be honest with you. And you like you said, your favorite team was uh was Montreal and you did play with them in your last season. So you, you got a perspective of both sides of that heated rivalry yeah. in Montreal. Um what was what was that like um, playing in Montreal and what was your most memorable moment do you think from playing from either one of those original six franchises? Yeah, it was, uh, I, I think, I think the cool thing about the Leafs was no matter where we played, there was like crazy Leaf fans there. Like it, we outweighed every fan base, no matter when we we're on the road, like at any rank, it was crazy feeling or looking up and seeing that and how many Leaf fans there are scattered across North America. It's absolutely pretty wild. Um, so that was like really cool to be a part of that, like giant machine and fandom, um, that the Leafs have. Uh, and then playing for Montreal, my last year was, was awesome because, that was my childhood team, man. I grew up loving them. They won the cup in 93, and I was like the king. Like, I was the king shit on all my friends. I was loving it, man. It was like, <laughs> you know, when you're 11, 12 years old and your team, you know, wins the Stanley Cup, it's like – and I was like the lone Habs fan, too, I felt like, in, in Saskatoon. You know, everyone's a Oilers fan or, you know, Leafs fan, and there's a few scattered Habs fans, but it felt good. So it was like – you know, through the roof for me as a kid and then tie that into my last year to be able to put on that jersey and play for the Montreal Canadiens and come out of the tunnel and, um, you know, be able to do that. I was like truly like playing the NHL's dream come true. Playing for your childhood team is like an awesome experience. And, uh, yeah, I would say my highlight of playing there was um, making the playoffs, making the playoffs and uh, coming out on the ice the start of that with just the feeling of the fans and like the heightened uh, you know, feeling in, in Canada playing in the playoffs is it's it's electric, man. Um, Colby, I've taken up a lot of your time today. I, I thank you again for coming on to my show. Um, I have one more question for you. You, you played such a hard nosed style and a style that I really respect. Um, any player who who is willing to drop the gloves, willing to stand up for his teammate. Um, I want to ask you. You've you've had a lot of impressive fights over your career um who do you think was the toughest guy that you fought <laughs> in your uh, pro career i don't know man i think you're being too nice to me i think i was more than willing to like get involved and i think i had to because of the way i played you know it was kind of came with it and i had to like you got to show up too right like you can't just right. like play a certain style of game and you know go and hide i had to like answer the bell and i think it was good for me i think it also like helped me with a little bit of an intimidation factor or respect factor from opponents too, or they're like, okay, this guy plays hard, but like, he's also willing to answer the bell, um, you know, and deal with it. I, I got beat up a lot though, man. I got, I took my licks after I walloped a few guys with some hits, I had to answer the bell and I got beat up a few times. So 
Now I got my 11 year old kid. He goes on YouTube and tries to look up my goals and all he can see is me getting beat up in fights, <laughs> uh, which is hilarious. But um, I would say like Aaron Asham, he played for the Red Deer Rebels when I was in junior and he was just before my time, but I heard all the stories about him. And then of course, you know, the way he played in his NHL career, but I hit James Van Riemsdyk pretty hard when I was in Atlanta and he came after me. Uh, he didn't like pound me down pretty like that bad, but he, he like walloped me down. Sheldon Surrey got me pretty good too. I hit Saku Koivu when I was in Pittsburgh early in my career. And that was, that was a big Saku Koivu captain of the Montreal Canadiens. I smoked them and Surrey grabbed me and like gave it to me pretty good in that. I, I wouldn't say I took too many horrible licks. I did end up, you know, getting over my head a few times with some of the guys, but I kind of feel like I had to, and they didn't leave me much of a choice at the time also. Um, but those are things like, man, I'd do it all over again. It was awesome. It was, it was great. I loved being involved in the game. I loved like, you know, I loved, you know, playing on the edge. I loved sticking out for my teammates one, but I liked, I liked being that guy that like, I was always poking it, you know, poking at you poking at you like looking for a reaction type of thing and when I was playing my best I think I was like an in-your-face type of guy so you know what that kind of kind of stuff just came with the territory my dad didn't like when I fought he's always mad at me when I fought he said you can't fight you don't know how to fight and I remember uh I always thought I wish I was better at fighting man I was getting I, I just wasn't like good fighter and um I, I remember talking to Brandon Prost and I was like, Prosty, like, I wish I was a good fighter. I, I, you know, I'd be better. And he goes, no, you don't No, you don't. I said, why? And he goes, cause you'd have to do it all the time. Then if you're good at it, you got to do it all the time. And I was like, damn Prosty. I'm like, that's, that's some good advice actually at fighting. But um, yeah, when I was with the Leafs, so Seidenberg got me pretty good. He got me broke my nose pretty good. I actually had to get put out to get it put back into place. It was on the side of my face. I think it was my last fight. I, might have got into but uh when we're playing the bruins and i had to wear a cage the rest of the year just because my face was pretty smashed he got me with one it didn't didn't hurt or anything at the time i don't even remember when it went how he got me but because your adrenaline's going um but yeah he did some damage on that he got me with one punch i usually did a pretty good job of squirming out of the way randy that was i was like a worm (laughs) i was like a worm out there you're good at getting out of the way (laughs) yeah yeah i had my moments man I appreciate you coming on. You gave some great stories. Uh, I couldn't have asked for anything more, Colby. So yeah, thank no, you thanks for hitting time. me up. Good, good luck with uh, with the Lip Lettuce podcast, Randeep, and uh, thank you. Watching thank for you, you down the road here. You're a big star on the rise. <laughs> thank you. Hopefully, I, I can get get a media pass next to you one day. <laughs> yeah, there you go, man. I'll be looking for you. Um, I hope to talk. I hope we can talk soon in the future. And uh, take care, Colby. All right. Take care. Keep me posted. Thanks. Yeah. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you to Colby for that interview. I couldn't have asked for anything more. He's uh, such a nice guy. and He gave some great stories. Uh, that was a great interview. And, and now we're going to throw it over to her, Arsham, what's up? We are uh, got a lot to talk about today. Um, what do you think of the interview with Colby Armstrong on episode five of A Lip Lettuce? Uh, I need to get into one of these interviews. You know, I've missed, I've missed every single interview we've had. I'm pretty sure. So definitely next right. one, I need to get into it. So yeah, you need to get in on these interviews. Colby and I, you know, that's just that's my guy right there. What an absolute beauty. So 
we got a lot to talk about, Sean. What do you, what, what do you, uh, you got some topics for us to talk about today? Well, last night, big game between Calgary and the Canucks, and it looked like Calgary got exposed yesterday by Vancouver. What are your thoughts on that game? I mean, Canucks 7 1 win. I, I didn't really get to watch the game too much. So, what do you mean by like they got exposed? They've been the hottest team in that area. Yeah, right well, now. I mean, the Canucks just looked like the better team yesterday. Um, I think they had six power plays, three different players with two goals. And, you know, Canucks looked good yesterday. And Flames did not look good. Simple as that. But, <laughs> why, I why mean, did the Flames. What the flames like? Did they look slow? Why were they taking so many penalties? Um, I don't know. They're it was just careless penalties too. I mean, I don't know. I think they gave Vancouver way too many opportunities in front of the net. Left Markstrom up to dry a lot of the times, and then Demko. Demko was just doing what Demko does. That was being like a top goalie in the NHL. So that was a good night for the Canucks. The only thing I really saw from that game was Chase Claypool giving it to the Flames, but we're not a. Rashawn's not a big fan of uh, Mr. Claypool, so I mean, we'll move on from that topic. Um, what do you think of the Canucks? Do you think that now that they've won a few games against some good teams, um, do you think that they're gonna hang on to Miller and and Bester and Garland or? I think these guys are gone still. Like, I think this is just helps their trade value. The Canucks go out ask for even more than what they're asking for. Um, if they're smart, I think they should trade these guys because a first round matchup against Colorado, or I mean, if the Canucks somehow manage to get into the seventh spot, uh, the first wild card, and they played the first team, first overall team in the Pacific, I could see them having a chance. Can't you? Yeah, I think if they match up a team like. Vegas, if they could fall to the top spot of the Pacific, I could see, I could see a fair matchup there, especially, especially with their goaltending. I could see how Canucks could even like have a chance to win a first round if they hang on to their players. But we'll see. I think the asking price for JT Miller and Besser is going to be high coming towards well, this trade deadline. They just, they just proved they could beat Calgary. I mean, like Calgary could also finish first in the Pacific. So. Uh, but the thing is, you could get such a high return if Vancouver that if their goal is to just make the eighth seed, then then maybe. But I think they have some pieces to build around. Um, what do you think of Pedersen last night? We've talked a lot about him on this podcast before, his struggles and uh, how he's kind of gone gone through a little bit of a tough season so far. Well, how did he look last night? Um, Pedersen's been looking better. I mean, he's been on a hot streak right now. Two goals last night. Um, he's starting looking like a better player, so maybe less yeah. players than hate going forward, but, you know, he's looking good now. Um, anything else on the docket list? We got some more trade chatter. Um, uh-uh. currently Philip Forsberg is made, being made available by Nashville, even though they're in the race. Um, do you think that Nashville is going to sell on a guy like Forsberg or, um, that's pretty surprising to hear. I mean, he's a he's he's a free agent after this year, and they don't really have the cap space to sign Forsberg. He's gonna want a lot of money. Um, so Nashville has a pretty good pretty good uh, stranglehold on the playoff spot, though. So yeah, it's gonna be a tough decision for them to make. I mean, I think if they do hang on to Forsberg, 
they're going to lose him after this year. I mean, I think he's going to want close to like eight to nine million. So he has 26 goals in 38 games so far. So he's really living up to his end of the bargain. I mean, like he's on pace for almost 50 goals. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know what I don't know what Nashville's gonna do. I feel like they're in a tough spot right now with Forsberg. But actually, he's on pace for fifty-two goals. He's on pace for fifty-two goals. I mean, I don't know what I don't know what Nashville's gonna do. I mean, they have a lot of money problems, especially with Matushin and Ryan Johansson. Well, you look at teams like the Rangers and the Leafs that have kind of been linked to a name like J.T. Miller. That could Philip Forsberg is basically like a better version of J.T. Miller if you're looking for offense on a second line and a top six. So that's a name to watch out for going forward. I mean, uh, that was a surprise report that we heard over this week. Him yeah, being made available. I see top teams going after a player like Philip Forsberg, especially J.T. Miller. After, I feel like he's asking price is going to be really high. So teams like Lee's been linked to him. So, um. What other uh, topics do you have on the docket for today, Sean? Well, I think we should talk about, I mean, right past the midway, midway point of the season, I think we should talk about the award races. So let's start off with the, with the Vesna. Who do you have at the top of your Vesna list? Wait, didn't we, do all this, didn't we do this already in an older podcast? No, remember we deleted it? And we re- remade the first, <laughs> first episode? Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, um... Uh, I, I'd say Igor Shesterkin. I think that's a pretty obvious answer. If you asked me 20 games ago, I might have said Jack Campbell, but he's fallen off the face of the planet. So I, I'd say Igor Shesterkin. Uh, Jacob Markstrom was probably in my top three. Uh, I'd probably put... Uh, that's well, a tough one for number three. Well, I, a player I, I, like Freddie Anderson. I can see him being the top three. Yeah, I understand. I, I could see him being up there, but for me, it's uh, I think it's Shesterkin's award to lose. Yeah, I think obvious pick for Vesna Shesterkin. I don't really think it's close right now. Because Shesterkin is getting like even consideration for Hart. Um, we'll get to that, I guess, next. But uh, my vote for the Hart right now is Austin Matthews. 36 goals. Leads the league in goals. Um, I also think that he could be a top three finalist for the Selkie as well. So it kind of just shows what he does for the Leafs, uh, both he also, on the offensive and defensive end. Yeah, he's but, he also leads the uh, forwards and takeaways. I mean, he had seven in last night's game. Yeah, he's doing it at all ends of the ice. Um, I think right now he's my favorite for the heart, but obviously you have McDavid and you have Dreisaitl. Um, yes. So, even a player like I have right now, it would have to be Matthews, but it would be a tight race down the stretch at the end of the season. But currently, I have Matthews leading the heart race. And speaking of Matthews, next award, what's your thoughts on who's going to win the Rocket this year? I mean, a lot of players bumped up into that. They should uh, rename it the Poppy Rocket. Because Matthews is just out here to get it every year. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's obvious Matthews is going to win this award. But what would award? It's like the Norris Trophy. 
Um, honestly, there's so many candidates this year. Um, there's a lot of great defensemen, but Kel McCarr for me has been the best defenseman. Uh, just like historically, his seasons with goals and just what he does for Colorado. He's surrounded by some really good players, so I think it helped him be the player he is. Um, I don't know if he was if he was on a team like Toronto or like a team who didn't wasn't didn't have the depth at defense like Colorado. That he could kind of play the freestyle he wants, but the team he plays on, I think, complements him perfectly. So I'd say Kale McCarr, but if we're talking about my favorite defenseman in the NHL. Um, I really like the way uh, Victor Hedman plays. He reminds me a lot of Nick Lichtenstein. But uh, uh, for me, it's Kale McCarr. What about you? I think it's obviously Kale McCarr. But there's a lot of there's a lot of good defensemen this year. You know, a player that's really risen up is Devontae. I mean, he's been considered in like a, in the worst conversations, but right now I think it's Kale McCarr. As that spot. But it's really interesting how Makar and Taze play on the same pair and they're both being considered for the Norris. Yeah. Do you think that Makar feeds off Taze and that's why he is more of a Norris candidate? They're so dominant when they're both on the ice together. Um, I think they really just both they, feed off each other. So it's kind of like a McDavid dry sidle yeah. almost, but on defense, right? Yeah, that's what I could see it as. Taze has really improved so much. Um, his skating since he first entered the NHL, his poise and just his steadiness. You could never really look at Taze and see that he's going to make a mistake. Um, he's always in the right position. He never really turns a puck over. He's a great skater. Um, his vision and hockey sense is world class. So, I'm, to top it all off, he really knows how to play a role well. So, like, I, I think Taze is like an excellent defender. I have no 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 idea why the Islanders traded him in the offseason. Um, that was puzzling, along with some other moves the Islanders made. But questionable uh, moves. What? There are some questionable Islanders, but yeah. Um, if we're looking at who else, what other awards we have. Um, Vesna, Hart. We have the we have the Calder Trophy, the Calder. Um, all I could say is you can't say Michael Busting. Um, he's almost a thirty-year-old man. He's all, second of all, second of all. he's only twenty-six. Kapusov was actually twenty-five last year when he won it. So, <laughs> well, cider. Okay, no. It, I think cider. More... I think it's cider that should win Calder. Mm-hmm. Morris Sider, he plays on a terrible, let's be honest, Detroit's defense isn't the strongest. He's a young teenager, like 20-year-olds, and he leads the team in ice time, leads them in points for defense, operates their first power play, plays on the penalty kill. Like, there's not much more you can ask for a player that young. For me, it's Sider, um, without a question. Michael Bunting is a great player. You can't really take the season that he's had away from him. And just because he doesn't win the Calder doesn't mean he's not a great player in his own right and is having a great season. But when you're playing next to 
two talents like Matthews and Marner, it makes your life a lot easier than uh, if you're playing on a team with absolutely <laughs> no offense. Um, look at that goal lot the other night. Um, Mitch Marner makes an absolutely amazing play. I think anyone, if they put on skates and a stick that day and stood in that position, I mean, you have to be good enough to get in that position, but Bunting didn't even move his stick. The, the puck was placed so perfectly. It glanced off his stick while he was being pushed and went in. Uh, he, he gets a lot of easy goals, but you got to give him credit because he's in the right position a lot of the time. So Bunting, for me, might be a top three finalist at the end, but it, for me right now, it's the two Detroit players and Matthew Boldy of the Minnesota Wild. He's come on so strong. Um, I got to, a chance to see him play in the last game, and he's a dangerous, dangerous young player, and he's really burst onto the scene. It seems like Minnesota has uh, a young player like that every year. Last year they had Rossi, and this year it's Boldy. Um, so I, I think when you look at the players and kind of the rules they play on each team, um, those would be my three. Uh, well, going off what you said, I had Sadra, my caller winner, but finalist, I had Bunting, and I had Lucas Raymond too, but it's hard not to put Bunting there, but I don't want to sound biased, so I'll say, I'll say Sadra. It's impressive for uh, what he's doing as a defenseman. He's so young. Why, how, why do you put Bunting, though? Like, Don't you consider that him playing with those top players? has attributed to his success. Like, let's say you put Matthew Boldy in that position. Do you think that he's producing more than Michael Bunting? Well, you know, there's some little bias going on, but... You can't... <laughs> I had to put him there. Okay, but we'll just... Let's just talk about Hyatt Satter. Let's call their finalist. No, because Tanner Janot of even the Predators... Um, he's putting up an a, a unreal season, and he's just behind bunting and goal scoring. And it's not like he's playing with anyone near the caliber of Matthew Demarde. No, after this peer pressure, I think I'll take bunting out of my Calder finalist, and said I'll put Tanner Janot in. So those are my three finalists now. <laughs> okay, well. Anything else we got on the top docket here? Oh, well, of... oh, what were you gonna oh, say? No, you could go first. You go first. I was gonna talk about Montreal and how they've kind of caught fire. Oh, yes, they're on the largest winning streak in the NHL right now. So four games, yeah. Um, the new coach has really given life to a lot of players, Cole Caulfield being one of them. We kind of clowned on Cole, but um, earlier in our podcast, like. Two weeks ago, we had an interview with Julian McKenzie, um, a writer for the Montreal Canadiens. And he kind of said to just put Caulfield in the minors for the rest of the year. And it, there's no benefit for him to be on Montreal right now. Um, Caulfield's changed the narrative around that, lighting it up lately. But it kind of makes me wonder... I think Julian has a point. Do, is there even a point for Caulfield to be playing meaningless games and where he could kind of be involved in more of a playoff race with Laval? Like, what do you think? Do you think that Caulfield should be up even though, like, do you, I don't think Montreal should be trying to win games. 
what I'm trying to say. Um, well, with the coaching situation, you know, the coaching change definitely brought new life to Montreal. So, I don't know, having Caulfield in the NHL, I think I think still is a good idea to help him develop. And with the new coach, Martin St. Louis, I think it's good for him and good for the Canadians. But I think them winning games is still... I I don't know how long this is going to last for, but I think having Caulfield in the NHL is the right, the right thing to do. Okay, Sean, you have anything else? Well, I was going to say, we're speaking about Tanner Genoa and the Predators. What's your thoughts on the stadium series tomorrow? I don't really... I just want to be honest, take I, didn't even, I didn't even know uh, a stadium series going on tomorrow. I remember those ugly jerseys, though, that were unveiled earlier in the year. Uh, Nashville had. Nashville, oh my god. That's what I feel about that game. I'm not watching any part of that game because of those jerseys. Well, every time I open up any type of social media, it's just stadium series getting stuff down my throat. I mean, I've had enough of this from the NHL. I, I, I don't understand an outdoor game in a southern climate. Do you? No, I don't really get it at all. Yeah, I'm kind of sick of these outdoor games. Um, when they first started, they were cool because there was like one or two a year. And they they just seemed like, like it was a cool thing because we never seen it before. But now that we've seen it so many times and it's done like four or five times a year, um, it's kind of lost the magic for me. And uh, I'm not really I'm not really a big fan of them, especially on TV. I think going to one live would be super cool. But watching on TV just isn't isn't really uh, that good. Yeah, it seems like they're having one. Every other like two weeks now, so I yeah, the think Leafs, it's... the Leafs Sabres one will be good. That'll be a good one. That will be nice to watch, but yeah. What do you think of the Leafs jerseys, the stadium jerseys? Anyways, uh, I think they're pretty, pretty basic. But I mean, I guess they're, they're I'd say cool. yeah, they're pretty old school. I, they're pretty nice, but nothing too flashy. What, what's your thoughts Would on you those? Want one? Mm, I don't know if I want to spend three hundred dollars on one, but I don't think yeah. I want. That's the jersey I own. I, I like them. They're simple. Um, I think that they should. There's this one jersey I saw on Instagram. It was like a custom jersey, and it was like their '80s colors. You know, like blue and the uh, blue on the shoulders and white. And then they had their current logo on it. It looked pretty, pretty cool. I think the best jersey they've had is. Their stadium series one from I don't remember what year it was. I mean, you have the Matthews jerseys of it. I think those yeah, are probably yeah, yeah. Those are probably that my one. favorite. Twenty seventeen, yeah. They played Detroit. Yep. Okay, well, that's it for episode five of the Lift Lettuce Podcast. Huge thank you, huge shout out to Colby Armstrong um, at Armdog on Instagram for coming on to our podcast. And um, our next podcast, we will be introducing Question Corner. Um, you guys want to submit your questions, you could do that through DMs on at Lip Lettuce Podcast. And we will answer it on our next, pod- next podcast. And you guys have some questions in. Um, but we don't have time to answer them today. 
but we will get to them next podcast. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, Sean, you want to say goodbye to our loyal listeners? Well, I think I've done this last two podcasts, Matthews for Heart, and that's all I got to say. All right, take care, guys. Thank you again for listening.